Warning, super friends. Planetary emergency. Six radioactive comets are on a direct collision course with Earth. Just as I suspected the work of my old adversary, Sinestro. I fought up with the comets, but there's no sign of Sinestro. That's because I'm over here, green fool. I was hiding in the antimatter universe of Quad. Banded together from remote galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Dudes. Dude. His dudeness, duder, El Duderino. Dude, dude. Dedicated to a single objective, the conquest of the universe. It's the Legion of Dudes podcast. And now, here's the dudes. All right, welcome back, everyone, to our look at Green Lantern, The Road to Blackest Night. This week is the second installment in our Green Lantern series where we're going to be talking about the Sinestro Core War. Joining me tonight is the rest of the Legion with Adam Umack, Johnny M., and Russell Latham. Say hello, guys. What's up? Hey. Hey. Before we kick it off, I want to do a little housekeeping. By now, you've probably heard about our upcoming 50th episode extravaganza. We're going to be doing... A live recording, that's right, a live recording on August 2nd, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can find us up on Stick'em. Look for, uh, look for Legion of Dudes on Stick'em. And in the meantime, if you're, whether or not you're going to be able to make it or not, send us a voicemail or send us a video message. We just set up a Facebook site. You can find our Facebook group under Legion of Dudes. Go on over to the episode 50 live recording event. Leave us a video message, and uh, we just might play it on the show itself. So you can see yourself live on an episode of the Legion of Dudes. Please keep in mind that it is a family program <laughs> when recording your video messages. All videos will be pre-screened and edited for content. What kind of fans listen to our show that we have to say that? <laughs> Look, look, look at the cast. <laughs> look at the members of our cast. Look at the, one of the guys here. <laughs> and you can get all the details on that and all of our episodes at www.legionofdudes.com. Voicemails can be sent to 516-468-7912. Emails and greetings and gift cards and cookie recipes can all be sent to comments at legionofdudes.com. And, of course, it's always a special thanks to our host and brother podcast, The Half Hour Wasted, at that same feed. Gentlemen, how shall we begin tonight's extravaganza? At the beginning, of course. At the beginning. How about we take a look at, last time we looked, we went through a rather detailed analysis of Green Lantern Rebirth. Today we're going to be doing uh, the Sinestro Core War, but there were about 20 issues of the main Green Lantern title between there. So uh, let's take a few minutes and kind of see what happened in the meantime. Anybody want to set us up? The Green Lantern series starts off with a Darwin Cook job on, on pencils in which Kyle Rayner and Hal Jordan, uh, in the aftermath of Rebirth, uh, you know, share some uh, bonding time uh, between the two of them with uh, some pretty cool art. One of the first encounters that Hal Jordan has is pretty much a retelling of his own origin with Ethan and with Ivan Rice on pencils. Uh, Carlos Pachenko and a few other guys, too. The Yellow of Impurity, again, is addressed in the first couple of issues. And that leads up to kind of like a revolt of the Manhunters, the police force before the Green Lantern Corps from the Guardians 
on Oa. How and John Stewart managed to subdue uh, the Manhunters, which transfers then over to some problems that our buddy Hector Hammond was having um, in Green Lantern Rebirth. Basically, he's kind of like a psychic vampire at this point, and Hector Hammond wants to read Hal Jordan's thoughts, so much so that he's kind of like sealing some thoughts. Uh, Hammond gets abducted by uh, yellow space aliens. They uh, tinker around with his brain. Meanwhile, uh, Hal Jordan's fending off uh, uh, an old, old villain called the Shark from uh, eating people in Coast City. At that point, Black Hand resurfaces. And I guess since this this is kind of the march toward Blackest Night, um, what I've done is I've kind of separated out um, Black Hand's appearances from Rebirth on. His first series appearance is in number six. He, uh, Black Hand's quotes, I'm, I'm pulling the big ones here, it says, uh, Death is good. Death wants you back. You think you're strong, but death is stronger. It's the pure power of the far end of the emotional spectrum, the emptiness of space, the blackest night. Death has power, the true color of the universe, the most wonderful color. From number six, where he's fighting Hal Jordan to Green Lantern Secret Origins to DC Universe number zero, those are the punctuated highlights of Black Hand. And we end up at the end of the first uh, trade hardcover with Hector Hammond and the ability to now speak since he was more or less mute before because of the, I guess, scientific pursuits that he had with Abensur's meteor-powered spaceship. So that's pretty much the first, you know, good chunk of issues um, leading into it. Um, Still no indication yet of the Sinestro Corps. Um, Sinestro is off the map at this point in Quard somewhere. Um, However, the emotional spectrum is referenced in these first couple issues. Yeah, I just want to jump in and ask you... um I'm looking through my my issues and my bounded volume from Green Lantern that I had. I have the mm-hmm. stuff you're talking about with uh, with Cook and the stuff with Kyle and that early on. Where, where is that from? Because I don't have that in my issue one. Was that a special that was in between Rebirth and um, Number One? That was in the Green Lantern No Fear hardcover. That's the very very first one that's listed on there. And let me flip through it real quick, yeah, Ken. That's not actually Green Lantern Number One. Because that's that was uh, Pacheco, which was what you said about the crash spaceship and the right, right. your manhunters, and we introduced a cowgirl who was uh, going to help form the love triangle between uh, Hal Cowgirl and Carol Ferris down the road, which is going to play into the Star Sapphire's uh, angle uh, towards the end of this initial run. And that may have been a part of Green Lantern's Secret Files, okay, or it may have been in a republished version of Number One. Now that you said that, um, I think that was part of Secret Files, which I did not include in my include in my binding. I think I do have it though, and that does sound familiar to me now. Thank you. They put it. Um, they put it up front in in that. So that's the first thing I was looking at. So. Yeah, I think that was uh, just a, the only story part in that Secret Files. The rest was all um, databank stuff. Good. Thank you. So this is already the second time that Johns has uh, referred to the Spectrum, right? Because we crossed that in in Rebirth. Mm-hmm. I think Spectrum was mentioned once, right? And we noticed that it was bold. Um, yeah. Yep. So he's definitely been planting the seeds for a long time. Yeah, and also, all of, uh, like Adam pointed out, Black Hand's uh, monologue regarding death, the, the emotion in that. And even the, uh, when Cowgirl first meets um, Hal and comments on how the black of his uniform is cold, all that are all parts of the seed building up towards Blackest Night. Now he shows up. I'm kind of flipping through, and I don't, I don't remember very well. He got his hand cut off in Rebirth, right? And now he shows right. up. Turned to coal and shattered. <laughs> right. A little bit more brutal than that, but yes. Y- yes. Okay, so now he's got a hand, and it looks like, is he creating that 
through some like power of his, the uh, new hand that he's created. Basically, as he absorbs, I guess, people's life energy and through death, it's being reformed. Beyond that, I don't know the specifics. Right, and then Hal cuts it off again because in that, in yeah, that, he's yeah, he's got like um like he can do projectiles from his hands. If you look at the issues that Simone Bianchi did, but as we know, since the Black Lantern battery is powered by the Anti Monitor, and now that he's has a ring, that evidently I'm not really sure how his power plus the power ring is going to kind of like marry his abilities together. We'll find yeah. out in a month. I mean, it will certainly enhance it, I'm sure. But you know, you're, you know, the reason why you know the Anti Monitor was snagged is because. That white wave of light that you know destroyed how many millions of universes back in the original crisis is you know what we see at the end of uh, Green Lantern number twenty five, which is just white like a white outline of power around you know these hands sticking up out of the ground. Okay, so what's the next arc or trade? Maybe if that's a good way to go. Looks uh, like Revenge of the Green Lanterns, right? Yep. The last thing I want to jump before we head to Revenge of the Green Lantern, which is a very good arc as well, is uh, talk about Hector Hammond. We've commented before about the way his dialogue boxes are always done. It's um, kind of done in orange uh, or an orange hue. And we've always wondered, is he going to be tied to the Orange Lantern somehow? And that's just reinforced when Hal lets him in a little bit and gives him a little taste of his life. He just wants more and just wants more and just keeps kind of to gra- trying to grab on to more of Hal's experiences. Just, you know, you get that sense of greed from him. All things pointing towards, you know, the potential involvement with the Red Lantern or the Orange Lanterns, excuse me. That has not played out yet. It's uh, been something completely different, but um, it doesn't mean it still won't touch into it. I'm curious to see if it does. The next immediate arc was just a, actually a fun Ollie. On one hand, it's a fun Oliver and uh, Hal Jordan story because those two are together always a good time. But this one is actually really rel- relevant towards the aftermath of Sinestro Corps War because it involves uh, Mongol and uh, kind of gets him into position where he needs to be so he can be involved in what's going on. It particularly involves the Black Mercy plant uh, where Hal and Ollie get trapped in it. Uh, eventually, they find their way free. The details of that I don't think are as relevant as the uh, the outcome with Mongol, because when he returns back to um, his home, he ends up killing his his sister, I believe. At this arc, this is the arc for that, right? Yeah, and um, if you look in the palace that Mongol has, formerly his father's, the Superman enemy Mongol from the Man Who Has Everything, mm-hmm. you know, his sister's uh, dead corpse is still in the throne room. So, you know, everything means something. So I would only expect to see her. Along with you oh, know, the hosts of others, and yeah, Black Lantern, I've, I, absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, Mongol has always been a, a major part. I mean, Mongol, along with Hank Henshaw, is the ones who uh, destroy Coast City and kind of kick that whole thing off. If I remember my Superman correctly, yes. After that, I commented in in Rebirth about the Batman Hal Jordan knocking him out one punch whole thing. Uh, the next issue is basically when uh, the Hal and Batman kind of stood their ground at the end of Rebirth, and he said. Um, you know, he said, so that's it, you're back, you know, that's it? He's like, yeah, for now. Well, here's the, first, here's the rest of that. They, they get together and do their thing and have it out, but have a team out. They basically find their peace. And at the end, to try to help Bruce ease the pain of his parents, he offers him the, the ring so he can see his parents again. Great, great shot, splash page of uh, Batman wearing the ring and you know, getting that Green Lantern emblem that has, has bat wings. He sees his parents, but then he realizes, no, I need that pain, and gives the ring back to Hal and... Uh, that that brief moment, the experience with the ring, is definitely going to uh, assist him later on once the Sinestro Corps starts recruiting. 
It's funny because Betts, the way Jeff writes him, it's he's very, very cold to Hal. And after the death of Ted Cord and Booster Gold, um, he actually like tries to befriend uh, Booster. So he's kind of got like the dual thing going on. I mean, you know, because you know Booster Gold—that's the hero that no one ever knows about, right? Right. But um, Hal, on the other hand, I think he just has well up to this point just a lot of contempt for him. You know, he knows that he can handle Booster Gold, but I think Hal definitely does intimidate him. At this point, after that is where we jump ahead to what's called one year later. Infinite Crisis has happened at this point. A lot of changes have have gone on. Jade, Alan Scott's daughter, is dead now, and the Ion Power at this point we know it as is now part of Kyle Rayner, and he's off on his own adventures now as uh, as Ion, which will play into Sinister Core War, of course. Also, Superboy Prime is now imprisoned in the science cells of Oa. And uh, the rest of the heroes are on their way, and 52 is uh, in, in play. So uh, now we jump ahead to one year later. Number 10, which is the one I was on, uh, that ends with Tomar 2 crashing, which d- confuses Hal because he thought he killed him. He's one of the Lost Lanterns, and now they're finding out that the rest Lost Lanterns may in fact be alive. So and Plus, the first uh, Sinestro Corps ring goes to Arkillo. Yep. So that's, really, that's the first um, appearance of the Yellow Rings. Yes, uh, that's that's the first one. Bes- aside from Sinestro, right. presumably the Guardians, Anti Monitor, and such are in place at this point, with the exception of Henshaw. That that's what's great about this run here. Just to kind of talk about it briefly, that Johns has set all this stuff up so early. I mean, yeah, we talked about it in in Rebirth, but planting these little seeds as this book goes on, where you know the the Yellow Rings start appearing and people start becoming you know part of what becomes the Sinestro core and then, you know, planting the small seeds before the event happened. It's so funny that, for me, I didn't realize this was an event until the Sinestro Corps War Special, and then went back and picked up the prior trade and, and saw how all these seeds had been had been planted ahead of time, and, and that my expectation going into Sinestro Corps War was that was the first appearance of the dawn of the Sinestro Corps, and, and it was really cool to go back and read these and see that that was not the case. Yeah, I mean, Arkillo getting in the ring is basically two pages, and it's just stuck in the middle stuck in the middle of another story, and when I first read it, I'm like, what the heck just happened? I had no idea what was happening. Uh, and you don't even realize, and then you see, you know, Welcome to the Sinestro Corps, you're like, oh, wow. But you, there's nothing more to it, and you're right. You don't know what's going on with this, this event yet at this point. I mean, this is issue 10. We still have 10 more issues to go, almost a whole year before we're going to see the, the Sinestro Core War special. I really, I really dig the cover of 12, when you have Hank Henshaw with the rings, all the rings on his, on his one hand. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I always liked that, that cover. I, I think I like the contrasts of the reds and the blues and the metallic color and the green rings. I, I just think it's a great-looking cover. They uh, used that cover image that Simone did to do the Hank Henshaw DC Direct figure, with the only exception of it being in the Sinestro Corps uniform, not the Superman uniform. Right. This is where we find that uh, Hank Henshaw has been the leader of the of the Manhunters. You know, as we go through here, and uh, we find the Lost Lanterns are alive and has been held by the Manhunters. Seeing some familiar faces coming back. Uh, Boudica, who is definitely going to be uh, playing heavily post uh, post Sinestro Corps War. Yeah, the Lost Lanterns really got the uh, short end of the stick. I mean, in the su- in the, you know, uh, issue subsequent to this arc, they were pretty well applauded on Oa for, you know, their courage. I mean, th- they're POWs and you know, it's it's like they were, you know, taken hostage, you know, unwitting- unwillingly, but if you look at the paths of Hanu, Kihan, 
Jack Chance, Arisia. Um, I mean, every single one of these lanterns are forever changed uh, as of where continuity stands right now, which is saying a lot for, let's face it, C-tier characters. You know, I mean, but there's like a lot of colors have changed. A lot of a lot of them have died and such. And with Hank Henshaw at the front of the Manhunters operating on the planet Biot in Sector 3001, it's an interesting position that he's in as Grandmaster. Originally, as the narrative goes, Hal and Guy refer to 3001 as the blackest night. And like if there was any, you know, hiccup, and I, and I mean minuscule, and I mean minuscule, calling uh, Henshaw's sector uh, the blackest night was it this entire run. That's really the only continuity. I, I don't even want to call it a problem area because it's not because, you know, they, they put a stop to, to calling it that. But um, Hal and, and Guy, you know, wreck shop here and successfully escape with everyone intact to finish off the story arc. And, you know, the arc ends with all the Guardians of the Universe basically deciding, you know, the fate of the galaxy, that they need to find Hank Henshaw without their employees, the Green Lanterns, knowing, referencing 52 at the very, very end. And at this point, when this issue hit, um, 52 was almost done. So, Adam, let me ask you then, you mentioned C characters. Are, are all of these, quote, you know, lost lanterns, they were really lost in terms of they've all been used before in DC continuity and he brought them together to be found at this point? Or are some yeah. of them new creations? Or These, these are all old guys that um, Hal killed when he was Parallax. Oh, okay. But, but they were able to be, I mean... Through the magic of storytelling, <laughs> um, they were able to be, uh, you know, uh, taken by the Manhunters uh, while floating in space. And basically the rings, you know, were never recovered. And you can see that Henshaw has them on his hands. Right. Which is, they're, they're kind of, like, Henshaw isn't officially a Green Lantern, obviously. But he has everyone else on life support, which is why he's able to blast at Hallen and Guy. And Aresia, is it? Yeah. Did they, you know, if you look back in old Hal Jordan stories, did were they a, a love thing? Was there a love interest there, or did he create that now for, for this story? In other words, like, I'm looking through it, and they make kind of a big deal when he finds her, and they have a big kiss and everything. So is that, like, really a reuniting from a point somewhere, or is he starting it from here? I would have to defer. I, I don't know the exact answer, but I could tell you a secondary one. And the secondary answer I have is that's just Hal Jordan being a thrill seeker. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. the Han Solo moment right there. Right. No, yeah. that, that's and that's fine. And I don't even mind them just they kiss. So then the reader has to say, okay, they must have had something at one point, and having it never really happened on paper. But I just like to know if he's drawing from history or how much he, you know, creates at this point. Not that it's a negative, just. One right. Well, she was around during the original crisis and um, a few other uh, places in Green Lantern history, but primarily it was with Hal. I mean, they, they had little. To, they obviously had no contact with Kyle Rayner, and as far as John Stewart and Guy, it was ra- rather limiting as far as that. I mean, if you look at their designs, I mean, just the basic getup. I mean, it's like post Silver Age '90s kind of designs. If you look at Hanu and Jack Chance, kind of like a gambit thing going on there. 
with with Jack Chance with the trench coat and whatnot. You know, although they're a little older than than that indeed though as we move out of the lost lanterns and move back in start moving into uh wanted hal jordan that's where we really start to turn the corner and hit the road towards uh snester core war you know pretty hard we've got the uh is it amon sur amon sur's son yeah. he's come, yeah. comes looking for um for his father's ring for hal jordan along with his little his little toady by his side got assuming that looks like scar who, who will become scar finds hank henshaw's well, just the walls, all that's left of him is little, his skull, or part of his skull, which is basically every, all you need to have Hank Henshaw, because he can reside in the smallest, he's a lot, a lot like Brainiac in, in that he can reside in the smallest bit of uh, a computer and be regenerated. Uh, meanwhile, back on Earth, uh, Hal's being, uh, being attacked on all sides, until finally uh, the bounty hunters get him, that Amansur hired him, wearing a Green Lantern uniform, but not having a ring yet. And we have the return of the Star Sapphires. Uh, the Star, Star Sapphire crystal, I guess, lands on Earth into a uh, whatever woman happened to be there. And uh, now is trying to find find Hal, trying to find his Earthmate's chosen mate. Of course, now, like I said earlier, there's either Calgore or Carol. And a great shot of Cord. The uh, not making weapons on Cord that they usually do. They're making rings. And uh, there's our boy Arkillo in his uh, initiate uniform. I guess we'll call it. I like how John's. Yep. I, I like how Johns took Tenestro's traditional purple uniform and basically say, okay, that's your initiate uniform. That's what you wear until you can charge your ring and you become a full member. Then you get your, your yellow uniform later. So uh, we'll see a few, other, a few others wearing that, that costume. Yep, and then uh, Batman gets the Sinestro Core ring too right before Amon Sor gets it. And yep. it's rejected, it's which just, is another pretty cool scene. Yeah. I really, really... It was very cool. I, I I had the same reaction when uh, the Scarecrow almost got the Sinestro Core ring. Well, yeah, but, that's that's right after like the issue. That's the issue of Green Lantern. Like, or I'm not sure if it's GL or GL Core, but right after Sinestro Core War, everybody's like, I think it's oh, twenty six. Yeah, yeah, everybody's like, it's got it's got to go to Scarecrow. It's got to go to Scarecrow. And I'm like, that's too easy. Well, he did handle the great. Not to jump ahead to to the end of it, but it offers the ring. But there they are waiting for it, and they capture it right there. Uh, but you're right near the end of this whole arc. The, the ring goes to Batman first and detects the, here it is, Bruce Wayne of the planet Earth. You have the ability to instill great fear. Welcome to the Sinestro Corps. And his Batman costume starts to change into an initiate uniform. And then it uh, freaks out. Previous exposure to Green Lantern power ring detected. Target sentient rejected. Scanning for replacement. And uh, eventually it finds uh, Amansur just as he's about to take out Hal. And takes him and he's like, yeah, heck yeah. And as he goes to try to control, it whips him away to Quartz. It's like, no, I control you, and he doesn't understand it yet. And we begin to have one of their very cool scenes where uh, the Sinestra Corps, uh, the keeper of the book. Lysa Drac. Yes, and she begins to tell him the story. And we learn more about different core members as she's telling Amon Sur before he enters his own fear pod to charge his own ring. Meanwhile, yeah. the, the uh, Starfire, Star Sapphire finds Carol, and Carol, Carol's looking pretty good. Yeah, this is a, some awesome art by Daniel Acuna here. I, I really, really like his stuff. I have a place in my jam piece reserved for a Star Sapphire sketch, should I ever run into him. Uh, he actually doesn't sell his original pages either. None, wow. of, none of his stuff is usually up, but um, he's doing the Kirby stuff, the uh, Eternals over at Marvel. Which yeah. uh, he left. He left DC immediately after this three issue arc. 
It's and it's interesting how they space out the guest artists on here. I don't really feel that you know, although you know, Ivan has certainly deserved. I mean, breaks for the amazing artwork he's done. It's really cool that they more or less assign an artist for like a specific core work to be done on a core. Like Acuna had to, I'm not going to say redesign, but kind of like shape the Star Sapphires. And right now, Philip Tan's on a four-issue arc, of course, with the Orange Lanterns. So, I mean, yeah, it's a break from the, the typical monthly artist, but my God, it's certainly not a break from the story. Yeah, it's funny. I haven't been a real huge fan of Acuna's art. I, he did the All Flash number one, and I wasn't really thinking oh, yeah, about that. That was uh, with uh, Impulse and um, and Wally. Yeah, was that that was the first that was Wally's comeback after yeah um, after Wally died or after uh, Bart died. But I really, really, really loved his art on in this arc. I don't know. It just really I don't know. It captivates the the you know the whole Star Sapphire thing, and it just really looks um, good. It would just, like I said, surprising because it's kind of stylized, but it just comes off very well here. It's a painted style. I probably prefer the other style. It took, it took, it was a big switch for me. Yeah, I was yeah. the same way. It's good art. Don't get me wrong. And I could think of a lot of books that the style would be perfect for, but the switch was a little bit too abrupt for me. Yeah. Not to rush it because we've been spending a lot of time on these these issues. We want to get to Central Core, but the uh, whole Star Sapphire story winds up. I mean, after the the Sapphire goes from Carol to Cowgirl and eventually chooses Hal, fakes it out and chooses neither of them. The Star Sapphires realize they need to take a page from the Book of Oa and they form the Sapphire into a ring of their own. But then it says they we must collect them all, and you see they Pokemon. Have, yeah, I was trying not to say it. Thanks for bringing it in. <laughs> I, I, they, they, you see they have seven pedestals. Three are already lit up, the violet, the yellow, and the green. And the others are still dark. So uh, this is our first hint about the, the multiple core. Well, not our first hint of it, but the first real evidence of multiple cores being formed beyond the sinister core. Now we have uh, the violet the, uh, of love and what will be next. And uh, what's interesting, the star, star sapphires, they want, they want them all. And I'm like, and I was thrown back with that. And they ha- we haven't gone back to that yet. You know, even well, a li- no, a little bit, a little bit, because remember, the Star Sapphires are taking the Sinestro Corps members prisoner. They're they're bringing them and they're re- rehabilitating not just Sinestro Corps. Didn't they have a Red Lantern? They try they're trying to rehabilitate. They have Crib. Um, who who's the one? They have Fatality. They have Fatality, Crib. Right. And they have oh man, why don't I know this? This is my episode too. The chick with no lips with the three dogs. You know who I'm talking I know about? Who I'm talking about yeah. I Olivia Newton John. Thank you. <laughs> right, but they, so they're trying to rehabilitate, and they're actually turning them into sapphires. sapphires. Right, exactly. Is that the same thing as collecting rings, though? Because I'm expecting to find they're going to light up a light up an orange and light up a a blue and an indigo on these on these pedestals. And that's what I mean. We haven't seen yet. We haven't seen this room again. We haven't seen where they have these. Uh, you know, have haven't seen this lit up. But that. That ends it. That's 20. The next issue we see is going to be the Sinestro Corps special, which is going to kick the whole thing off. So you guys, since we're going to jump into this, I'll, I guess I'll start by when did you get it? So I saw this solicit originally, and I was really, really on the fence about it, and I was kind of like, eh. You know, every time I try and get into Green Lantern, it, you know, I get it for a little while, and it, it kind of wanes out for me. So I passed on it. And then I kept hearing every, you know, all the podcasts, all the blogosphere, and they were going on and on and on about it. And of course, by the time I get to the to the shop, sold out, like sold out, first day sold out. 
and by the time I got there, I was stuck with the third printing, and you know, first printing on eBay was going for you know ridiculous amount of money for a four ninety nine book. So I did get on the newsstand, and once I got it, of course, cooked, and then was in for the whole deal. Did you guys get this as it came out? Did, were you? Were yep. you yeah. I stood in line. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> come on. Uh, what are you kidding? Okay. I, I, like taxi cab confessions here. I was at, I stood outside of my LCS at 10 o'clock in the morning for this, for this book. And I've never, ever done that for another book. Wow. Yeah, no kidding. I, I wasn't that far gone, but I have been reading Green Lantern every week, day one since Rebirth. So, yes, I was there day one. I have my first printing bound in my collection here i believe i have at least one more first edition um in my in a drawer box somewhere but uh yeah i have it so i wasn't reading green lantern at the time but i really liked the concept you know and i thought it would be like a cool jumping on point i wanted to know what everybody was talking about and i knew it was going to be a lot of discussions on forums and stuff so i started having the lcs guy put them on the side for me so i did get all first prints as they came out, which, like Russ said, I, I guess I was pretty lucky. And um, I don't keep many floppies around. So when I got around to, uh, you know, putting that set back on eBay, it, it turned a pretty nice, you know, not, don't get me wrong, not hundreds of dollars or anything like that, but it was a nice uh, markup from cover. I mean, there were definitely people looking for the first prints that weren't able to get them. It, it wasn't Deadpool money? No, it wasn't Deadpool money. <laughs> That's another story. This issue... Had six printings. Yeah, that's great. That's, un- that's unbelievable. I mean, that that's <laughs> that says an awful lot about the quality of the issue. Yeah, we're not. It had, g- it, had it had six printings and sold that many copies, and Obama wasn't on the cover. Wow. <laughs> we um, we're not going to do this for every issue. In that we're going to not going to go page by page in full detail, but we are going to do it for the Sinister Core War. But um, Adam, I I am going to ask you: Would you like to do it? You you are definitely more qualified to do this than I am. I think. <sighs> okay, take deep. a breath. Absolutely. <laughs> so we haven't seen Sinestro since uh, I believe it was Rebirth number five. And if you're wondering what he was up to, well, he was kneeling down naked and praying to his ring. <laughs> he is the Zen master, evidently. Um, and at this point um, in time, uh, what he does is he channels um, Parallax and creates uh, his new uniform and uh and kind of like you haven't really seen Sinestro with his yellow lantern, but it's a repurposed yellow lantern in that it's got the parallax symbol on it. So while he's not necessarily like beholden to parallax, like he's certainly an ally of it. And the Sinestro Corps one shot goes through how tracking down Zoom in an attempt to find out, you know, where Sinestro is and what what he's up to because well, during Infinite Crisis with the Secret Society, you know, they were all more or less uh, involved with each other. Sinister rings are flying all across um, the entire universe, and the Guardians are holding counsel about what to do with Hank Henshaw. And he's basically giving the whole uh, death is good mantra. And um, it's revealed that as a result of Mr. Mind's flutterings and Booster Gold and everybody else in 52 that um, Earth is basically the crux of the entire multiverse since it's officially back now and and whatnot. And if Earth goes, uh, so goes the rest of the universe. And the Guardians feel that they've got to monitor 
for lack of a better word, all the stuff that's happening. Superboy Prime gets busted out. A bunch of lanterns die. How and everyone are eating in the cafeteria. The Lost Lanterns still have like kind of like some ambivalence toward Hal because, well, he did kill them and all. <laughs> Kyle's transported to Cord, and the ion power is uh, ripped out of him and replaced with Parallax. It's revealed that Sinestro, through uh, one of his core members, infected Kyle's mother and uh, caused her death, the Despotellus virus. So... Like Gamphit and Hal before him, Kyle is totally like rendered asunder the Parallax entity, and the Anti-Monitor is revealed as the guardian of the Sinestro Corps, with, of course, Superboy Prime, Hank Henshaw, and Parallax as the heralds with Sinestro front and center. And for those of you who are not in the know, our buddy Brian Crispin from the Comic Geek Speak uh, podcast has the Sinestro Corps excuse me, has the last page of this issue, which is the double-page spread of the Anti-Monitor. And I was actually able to snag two of these pages. The one has uh, Sinestro standing over Kyle, opposite uh, the John Stewart sniper page. And I also have the third page of this issue, which is the first appearance of the Yellow Lantern, the parallax symbol in Sinestro's new uniform. So... Those are hard to find. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And um, I really, I really look at number three, page three of this issue, as kind of like the grail of my collection. Certainly not for any other reason, only than I, I love the heck out of this story, and I was really, really waiting for it because I, I just thought that with reading Green Lantern for so long, that you know, you just want your, you just want the home team to win, and and for oh, the only reason other than you know, Green Lantern and Identity Crisis got me back into comics during a. A period where you know I needed something to read, and it w- it's just good. You know, it, it feels like you're on the winning team when you know the stuff that you love gets you know shared with right. so many people. Because you know, if it wasn't for the success of the Sinestro Core, you know, Green Lantern would still be a, a, a good DC top seller, but you know, it wouldn't be front and center. And I think the story, and I think the art, and I just think the whole the whole world, you know, the whole cosmic world. I just think it has a lot to offer uh, for people who love books and for people who love comics, too. And I, I think that's probably the best heartfelt plea to let you know I'm not totally crazy uh, about this book. But, you know, I, I mean, it, it speaks to me. It, it's really good. I, I've never read a bad Jeff Johns Green Lantern story yet. I'll tell you, this whole this whole first issue, this, this special, after the whole thing was done and I got my collection bound and I was reading it again, I'm reading this first issue, and the biggest thing I can take away from this is that the entire story, everything, is in this one book. I mean, you're, true. he gives you everything you need to know in here. You, maybe you don't realize yet, but it's all there. My favorite passage is during the interrogation of, uh, of Hank Henshaw going on about life and death. And he's like, without life, there will be no fear or avarice or hate. And then the Guardian comes back. Without life, there's also no, I think it's Gantha, no hope or compassion. Saeed says, or love. And the rest of them are like, the Green Lantern Corps is about maintaining order, Saeed. Leave emotion out of it. There it is. There's all your core right there in two panels. And that's just one piece of the whole puzzle that's all laid out in this whole, in this whole book. Right. It's like, you know, Henshaw, and I'm only going to imagine Black Hand and the other baddies on the Black Lantern side really look at life as a threat, whereas, you know, we see the inverse that, you know, death is a threat. Mm-hmm. To give this book more credit, I was kind of on the other end of things. I had I wasn't reading Green Lantern, 
and I still thought it was great. And, and a couple of the high points for me was uh, the page where there's like dozens of Green Lantern rings that had a deceased owner and were scanning for a new yep. recipient. You know, that was just like, wow. It almost g- gives you the feeling of, you know, this is serious. What's, what's yep. going on here? If I can jump in on that. Um, yeah. When this shortly before this came out, or right when this came out, there was a risk that this was going to be late or really bad. Like Ethan was running behind trying to get these pages done. So DC went to uh, Tom Derenick to see if they can get some pages done, and they didn't use them. All of this is Ethan's work. They didn't use any of them, but Tom put some of those pages up on his uh, MySpace page. They're probably still there. And one of the pages was that one you just mentioned with the rings looking for for new ones. And uh, I, I got to say, I kind of like Tom's better. You know, mainly like, you know, Ethan's got his. They're all going straight line. They're all off going to where they're going. Tom's page just had some more, dy- dy- more uh, it was a little more dynamic. They were turning, looping. They were just, you know, had more uh, kinetics uh, energy to them. It was, uh, th- these are great, don't get me wrong, but uh, it was just interesting to see another take on the same story. They work off the same script, but to see another artist's work is interesting. So if you happen to find Tom's MySpace page, go look for those. Cool. It's interesting that you know this. This was such a, a big hit artistically that um, you know Ethan was nominated for an Eisner for his work in this one shot. And I, I think probably my favorite sequence is when Sinestro pulls the Ion entity literally out of his heart. Yeah, this is revenge, you know, from Rebirth when Sinestro got hit with all those arrows and is scarred. Absolutely, and this is the you first know. time we get the idea. We, we find out for sure. That Ion is in fact an entity similar to Parallax. That, and we're still waiting, I think, to see if the other emotional spectrums have their own manifestation. I think it's been said outside we're of the books to, that they that yeah. they do. We just we're have supposed not met to them see. Yet. We're supposed to see one of them next issue. I am like two issues behind. I don't think. I think the last set of uh, GL and GLC I had not read yet. So uh, yeah, we're supposed to see one other entity at the end of the Philip Tan arc. So. So say, you know, interviews and stuff. So, so when this airs, we may have already seen them, right? Uh, very good possibility, yep. Cool. One, one other thing I wanted to mention about the last page, and I, and I don't even know if it was meant to come off this way, but turning that last page and seeing Ion and Sinestro Parallax. on their knees in front of the other guys... You know, it was almost like, holy crap, they're not even well, like the big baddies. Right. You know? Well, like, really, it's yeah. like toward the anti-monitor, but it's like, you know, and he hasn't been used in comics, John, since the original Crisis. Yeah, it's the first like, time we've seen in, him. In right. continuity. I mean, you know, there's, you know, talk of it, you know, talk. I mean, any, if, to, if but... any arc's long enough, it'll reference Crisis, but it won't, you know, include it. But he was deader than a doornail. And obviously, you know, the Manhunters reconstructed him. The last, we, the last time we saw a major reference to him was not long, about a year or so, or not long before this came out, was, of course, they used his corpse as part of, uh, Alexander used his corpse as part of his, his device to uh, reshape the world in Infinite Crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Superboy Wine here uh, used uh, his armor as a basis for his uh, solar-generating armor that he's continuing to wear here. Yeah, this, to me was the biggest holy shit moment in comic, I think, that year. I agree. To this point, I I'd say still, I don't think I've had a moment yeah. like this. And luckily for me, it wasn't spoiled. I had listened to a lot of stuff on the Sinestro Core War. I didn't listen to any detailed or watch any spoiler reviews. So when I read this and flipped to it, 
I was just totally blown away. And to me, that came way out in left field in a good way because I totally wasn't expecting that at all. I mean, not many people have drawn him either. I mean, you've got Perez, you've got the few pages that Phil Jimenez did in Infinite Crisis. But really, I mean, in continuity, Ethan and George Perez have, have been the ones that have drawn him. Now, there's the, there's the one-shot specials where, you know, he's seen, like, in the background and stuff. But, and, and Ivan, too. I, I keep, you know, we, we've got Ivan for the next, you know, how many, how many issues and stuff. But, oh, um, too, it's, it's really, I mean, like, I'm not going to say it's like a private club or anything, but, like, that just tells you, like, when they needed someone huge for that holy crap moment, I mean, this would be it, you know. I was like, geez, this is crazy, you know. I just want to throw in uh, someone else drew, drew him. Uh, Art Balthazar drew him in Tiny Titans during the Faces of Mischief when, uh, <laughs> during the Finals Crisis. I think it was Robin had to go to the bathroom and the monitor, the hall monitor, asked to see his pass and the anti-monitor showed up and said he didn't need a pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I think, January, February when DC was doing Faces of Evil. The Tiny Titans guys, him and Franco got in on the action, which was pretty That's cool. That's the issue I'm talking about, yeah. They had a Finals Crisis in the end, the monitor and anti-monitor were in it. The only thing I can think of to say, and I, I want to know what you guys think about this, is you know over the next couple of issues, and especially post Sinestro Core War, typically uh, uh, the first page of an issue will start off with something along the lines of, "My name's Hal Jordan. I'm a Green Lantern of Sector Twenty Eight Fourteen," and it's kind of like the Stuart Smalley daily affirmation, like "I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me." As a reader, sometimes I feel that. That is kind of like, oh boy, well, give me something else to talk about, you know, or, or to read what that you guys are talking about, other than, I, I know you are, but what am I? Kind of like a, hello, my name is introduction. But that's really the only kind of like narrative complaint I could think of, because I understand that this is a book that continually people go to. This is the one that I would probably say has, has been recommended the most, and people have certainly jumped on the bandwagon, rightly so. But So I understand the need to have the repetitive nature of you know Jordan's thought balloons and thought boxes and stuff like that, too. But for people that have been you know in it to win it for a long time, it does get kind of like vexing. Like, okay, I know how. You <laughs> constantly reassert yourself. Does he have memory loss? I don't know, but... Um, Just remember, every comic is somebody's first comic. Right, right, right. So, you know, that's why they do it. I know you are. I know who he is. <laughs> I like, well, put a little bit of twist on, on this one. You know, they start off when you first see Hal and they give that whole spiel. But I like at the end where he says, Kyle tells me our lives are like Star Wars meets the X-Files. I miss, I miss the, the X-Files. X-Files yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's a good line. I thought it was interesting that they chose Zoom, you know, as the the villain that the league is after to try and find out where, you know, where Sinestro is, you know, given the yellow and the, in the orange you mm-hmm. know, costume that Hal is going after Zolomon to, to find this out and, yeah. you know, kind of chains him up. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I love his, his dialogue too, where he's like, you know, what makes a hero better? You know, is it the villains you face? And he, you know, he, he kind of hits all the pushes, the buttons on the heroes basically by hitting Batman, Superman and, and Wonder Woman. Like with killing Max Lord and all that stuff. How, yeah, yeah. The fact yeah. that you died, you know. I mean, he's obviously talking about the Joker with Batman, you know. So it's interesting, too, because, uh, you know, Zoom was named after Ethan's kid. His, I, I believe his kid's, kid's first name is Hunter. And when yeah. they were working together on the run, so to speak, 
Flash Run, get it, huh? Um, you know, that's that's who it was named after too. So, you know, it's it's kind of like a revisiting. You know, it's like you can build the Flash mythos in a Green Lantern book, and you can build you know the Green Lantern myth- mythos in a Booster Gold book. So I guess it pays off. You know, and you can build the Kingdom Come mythos in a JSA book. I mean, look at all the wires that Jeff has crossed. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty cool to me. I, I really think that's neat because you know it's not just you know Zoom just isn't a Flash villain. He's everyone's villain if he's up to no good. You know, and you know one of the lines that Hal has later on, he says, uh, you know, I, I don't think that uh, you know this is Earth's problem. Big mistake there, buddy. <laughs> it is. You know, and it looks like it's the multiverse's problem too as far as Sinestro goes. There's that idea of isolationism that only Hal has Sinestro, only Aquaman has Black Manta, well, which is probably true. That's, bad. That's a bad example. <laughs> but, but it's almost like, you know, he's my supervillain. Because who always takes care of the Joker? Batman. He's in but the Rose Gallery. Until, exactly. And, you know, until you have this kind of like big crossover where, you know, because Henshaw... And especially Superboy Prime, I mean, they're both enemies of Superman. And there's that, I guess, that shared responsibility of being a hero that when we get to the splash pages in number 25, it's, you know, everything's just amazing to see who's fighting who and what maybe led up to that story and this, that, and the other thing. All right, so where are we at? Are we uh, ready to move on and really kick into the main body of this guy? Looks like we're on number 21. Yep, 21. This is... Uh, first issue out this is really just kind of to me just kind of setting the stage for house thing i mean the big significant thing is the guardians going to burn the book of oa not the book of Oa, the the section of the blackest night you know it's a myth it doesn't exist they're again denying everything and saeed and ganthet are trying to uh talk sense to them we uh you know we we tried to control parallax and look what we got you can't do this to the rest of the rest of this we can't ignore it and they end up burning it anyway uh, and, and the rest is really Hal facing his, his worst fears. He goes kind of toe-to-toe with, with Parallax. He's being faced with his worst fear, which, of course, is his father dying and not being proud of or not knowing, trying to find out what happened to his, what his father's last words were, and eventually overcomes it, but not before he is transported to Quard with Kyle, and that's where we move on. You can kind of see Superboy Prime and Hank Henshaw kind of foaming at the mouth, kind of like, put me in, coach. You know, like they're they're ready to you know jump in on the mayhem. I'm good. I'm ready to play. Let's go. Yeah, that was the one thing you know starting this off that I guess they're you know kind of building the tension that we saw in the in the special was the addition of Superboy Prime and, and Hank Henshaw and then the Anti Monitor and here we pretty much go through the first part and we don't see them and then we're into the second part and so it's like I remember reading this going well we're, you know when are these guys gonna you know, surface when they're going to make themselves known. So that was kind of a, a cool, I mean, I guess the easy out would have been to just throw them into the fray right ahead and, you know, kind of go for the, the big splash or, you know, whatever. So I, th- I thought that was cool. They kind of held them back. So moving on, this is our, we go to green, uh, to green lantern core number 14, I believe it is. Yep. And, uh, this is actually the first issue of green lantern core. I had read, I, I did read the, uh, green lantern recharge, which kind of, uh, green lantern core recharge, which kind of kicked that off. And then they had their own, then they had their own number one and have their own series to this, to this point. But this is the first issue of the individual actual series I have read. Uh, and this one pretty much all is all about, um, Sorok Natu, who we've met. She is the 
new Green Lantern from Sector, is it 1417? Is that Sinestro's yeah. sector? And yeah, Korgar. He's from Cor- she is also from Korgar, and she did not want it because of the. Um, they still remember the Green Lantern symbol as a as a symbol of oppression, and she wanted no part of it. But you know, eventually she accepted her role through the course of Green Lantern Recharge. Uh, so is now a functioning member of the core. So she returns to uh, to Korgar, and she's everybody seems to love her. They're they're cheering for her, chanting for her. And Sinestro shows up, and they have their big knockdown dragon fight, which is now, for me, put into a completely different light with the new information that's recently been revealed regarding those two. Eventually, he, he leaves. His whole point was to let co- them see, let the Corrigans, or however you would refer to the people of Korrigar, see her defeat him so they would love her that much more and want to be led by her. You know, Otherwise, you know, he'll come back and then, then face them, which he accepts that responsibility, realizing what's going on. We see uh, Stell approaching Mogo, the largest of the Green Lanterns, the living planet, and he's about to be uh, attacked by the uh, his corresponding uh, Sinister Corps. Is it Rax? It's uh, Ranks, the Ranks. living city of Ranks. Ranks, thank so, you. Yeah, so Stell and Green Man are pretty much up the creek at, at this point. Right. Uh, has any of you read... Green Lantern Corps leading up to this. I'm curious to see what her reaction or what her status was on Korgar. Like, was she already accepted as a Green Lantern there? Does anybody know? Um, she was. Uh, well, she was a medical doctor, and yeah. uh, the ring actually helped her and aided her in uh, saving the life of a patient mm-hmm. when everything first happened. So there was the reluctance in it. In, in a lot of cases, it was okay. I'm done. I'm through. But you know, then that willpower thing kicks in. And I, I just think it's interesting, and you know, and this is another cheat, but I would I would think that the ring would have recognized that Sinestro's DNA is in there somewhere. Well, I would think that is why the ring picked her because what do you mean? Be, because not because recognize the DNA is a bad thing, but recognize it as someone with great willpower. I mean, if Sinestro oh, was yeah, the greatest yeah. of the Green Lanterns, the ring would recognize that trait of being being strong in will and and having and being able to overcome great fear. And so she would be a logical candidate. There's lots of secrets in all these books. You know, like the secret with the Red Lanterns and, my gosh, everything from Agent Orange to the Manhunters to, well, at this point, um, the, book of, the Book of the Dead, you know, that Scar's hiding. I mean, there's a ton of secrets that I would say even have, you know, a bigger impact than the multiverse as these things are going to play out over the next couple of months. So, Rusty, anything to add? Not really. Not right. for this. Not for this one. All right, Adam, you want to take us through uh, Green Lantern Twenty Two? Yeah, um, Chapter Three picks up with uh, a pretty good, uh, sizable loss of life um, recap, and uh, Parallax, in the form of Kyle Rayner, is fighting Hal while Hal Hal's also taking on Abin Abin Sir's son. The Lost Lanterns uh, come into Cord for the save, and while this is happening, Superboy Prime is in position, scoffing at Earth. Hank Henshaw is channeling his inner Darth Vader, and while he's kneeling down, asks the Anti-Monitor to kill him, which has been his wish pretty much since he took the form, and the Anti-Monitor agrees to it. I would only imagine that such a, a person that, that preoccupied with death will come back in Blackest Night since Henshaw is off the board since 25. Hen- which, Henshaw is still alive at the end of 25, don't forget. Yeah, he's but I'm dead. just saying, we haven't seen him since 25. True, but... He's right. not dead to be necessarily a, a black lantern. He's not dead I yet. Love, yeah, I love the, you know, again, Superboy Prime, we get the, 
the page with him and it, you know, kind of zooms out and, you know, you see him go, <laughs> stupid earth. It's, again, we, you know, heard it on other, you know, other places and read reviews. And I think we even talked about it that Superboy Prime or Superman Prime, I guess at this point, depending on where the, where the lawsuit is at, I guess is where they flip flop back and forth. But they were referred, he's kind of like the, the whiny fanboy. And so every time, every time I see him, deliver lines like this it just cracks me up and that's exactly what i think of it's just the the you know the whiny fanboy so again we'll, we'll see that even later when sinestro core attacks earth and we'll see we'll see even another round with with him on that parallax starts taking out some of the lost lanterns namely jack t chance and jack gets freaked out and when the ring leaves his finger Kyle grabs it and just crushes it in his hand i know i have never seen that in any green lantern book you know, going back through the archive editions and stuff, either like that was pretty crazy. I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> like that was just beyond cool. He's just gonna whip up on someone something fierce. And then the issue ends with everyone more or less walking into a trap that John and Guy uh, fell into with Lysa Drac. Right. I will point out that uh, at his death, Boudica, you know, she gets fierce at this point and still does not acknowledge the Parallax entity on at least not on a conscious level. She's insisting Kyle killed him. As much as Hal wants to say, no, he didn't, it wasn't him, mm-hmm. she still wants to go and now kill him, but Lethal Force is not authorized, so her ring literally shuts down and along with her hand construct, and she basically goes to crash Earth. Hal does his best to save her, but she wants no part of that. But again, it, that is our first hint about Lethal Force, you know, it's not authorized, so it shuts down on her, but that, that may change. Well, that's one of the things, too, that was real big on this book, that just every time you saw it, it was just like, oh my gosh. The whole ring status report, Green Lantern, you know, 17 deceased, Space Sector Scan 17 initiated for replacement. So you see all these, and you see it on the yellow, later we'll see it on the yellow side, but it was just so, to me, very dramatic, because you're seeing on a mass scale what we've never seen before. I mean, other than, you know, when Hal went berserko and, and started killing everybody, but we didn't see the rings looking for their replacements. So I just thought that was really awesome that, you know, in this book, every time a Green Lantern dies, which between the last few issues and the, and the special is just all over the place. We see these rings just flying everywhere looking for replacements. And then when we get into the, to the yellows doing it, it just gets even nuttier where you have, you know, these pages where in the background you see all these rings hanging around and all the little captions that they've kept up with, you know, to show, you know, who's dead and where they need to go. So just real powerful moments when we see all the, you know, all that going on. Chapter four is the Battle of Mogo. And, you know, the one-two punch on this is that uh, Ranks and uh, being guided by Infococos, the the Salak of um, the Sinestro Corps, is guiding the Children of the White Lobe. And again, that's a reference to the Alan Moore stories, Tigers, which chronicles Abin Sur's ultimate demise. It's more or less setting them into position. And Kilowog and Arkillo throw down as well. Who saw that it's, coming? It's then, <laughs> it's then you know, suggested that the Guardians rewrite the Book of Oa, and that's this issue in a nutshell. Everybody has, everybody has an analog on each side of this, right down to, uh, to the viruses. Uh, I love Arkillo, though. I think he's an awesome Green Lantern. I don't know why I like or Yellow Lantern, I'm sorry. I don't know why <laughs> I, like, I like Arkillo even better as a Yellow Lantern than I do Kilowog as a Green Lantern. Did you see what uh, Mogo did to him last issue? No. Or Mogo, Mongol. I'm behind. I saw the beatdown yeah, he gave him, yeah. The Arkillo Mongol fight was pretty crazy. Yep. Like, they just, like, ruined half a planet. Like, 
Uh, Monkle came on on top though. Cut his tongue out. He has to wear it around his neck now. It's pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> Hal, but, gets, um, Hal gets some new jewelry in 23. Yeah. Awesome yeah. cover. Absolutely yeah. awesome cover. Total throwback to, I guess, what is it? Is it 51 of the previous volume? 49? Maybe. I think it's, I think it's, maybe it's 49 or 50. It wasn't 50. Because fifty was where Kyle got the ring, but anyway, it was it was right around there where Kyle, where they show Hal doing the same thing with all the GL rings, right, right. when he uh, when he was going crazy, like Henshaw a couple issues ago too. You know, mm-hmm. you yeah. see, um, Parallax is on one of the rings on his his right pinky finger. Oh yeah, he's kind of uh, hidden on the on the ring there, which yeah. is kind of cool. Now is he in the ring, or is that a reflection of him as he's facing off with them? Because he's in Kyle. I guess a reflection, yeah. Could be, could be either. Pretty cool. Cavalry's here. Guy and John show up. Who, who says there's never a cop around when you need one? And of course, uh, you know, Hal's ring is dead. He's like, I need a weapon. He picks up a yellow lantern and charges up. And you know, as you said, they rewrite the Book of Oa. And uh, another great splash page with uh, a- the anti-monitor cr- experimenting on the ion entity, which is rather cool and we really don't see the fight we see like you know them attack but next thing you know they're leaving and they're riding like riding ion on their way out yeah that's a crazy page the um when they're riding on ion there i I, I was able to snag when uh cyborg superman's kneeling down i was able to snag that page too it's just a really cool headshot of sinestro it's really really like distinct and um you know, to see to see the inks up close with this is pretty cool because you got the power battery in 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 that shot too. It's really neat, but I think and and I wonder what you guys think about this is that um, you know, Parallax is a talker. I mean, he's obviously out to freak you out at whatever cost. But Ion is, I mean, I wouldn't say you know docile. I mean, he's capable of a lot of power, but you know, he's he's kind of passive. And I'm wondering if we're gonna get. And how we're going to get these other emotional spectrum entities, and you know, and how they're going to be portrayed? Because I, I would only imagine what the orange one would look like, you know, because Larflees is such a crazy character to begin with. You know, like how could you top the greediest person in the in the, in the universe? Going back to that Green Lantern Corps issue right before that, you, we were talking about the other thing that mentions is the uh, the importance of Sodom Yat. Apparently, he's been named in the prophecy that they destroyed earlier earlier. And now they need to protect him, and that's going to tie in with the release of the Ion entity. Now, I don't think it's actually going to, you know, kick into gear with this with this part, but it's going to come in a few issues. Well, what do you what do you think about like the entities? Because Ion, you know, doesn't really say anything, and you know, he's been passed to. Well, I guess officially three people, if you include Jade, but really just Kyle and Sodom Yat. I mean, and we know yeah. that from Legion of Three Worlds that. You know, Sodom Yat's alive in the 31st century right. with Mohawk. I mean, it's like freaking Road Warrior out there. <laughs> with, uh, and he's, uh, at this point, he wants to, once he finishes, he's going to recreate the Green Lantern Corps. But uh, apparently he's been the only Green Lantern for some time now. I don't know if this is the right time to ask, but since you brought up Jade. So, Ian was in Jade, and Jade is Alan Scott's daughter. Is is she his, like, actual daughter, or is she adopted? You know, you know, because does that does that then imply a greater tie for Alan Scott to the Green Lantern Corps than what he suggested back in Rebirth? Well, you know, he's also you know the father of Obsidian, who works within Shadows. And if you want to have the other connection, you'd have Green with Jade, right? And then Obsidian with Black. I don't know if if you want to call Todd Rice, you know, right. um, 
you know, death incarnate, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, but, you know, between the two, um, you know, I mean, she's worked with Justice League and JSA, I mean, part of uh, Infinity Inc. and all that other stuff. I mean, her mother, it's, I'm, I'm looking on a webpage here, it says, Jade's mother, Rose, was briefly married to Alan Scott, but fled upon conceiving their children, fearing that she would harm them. She gave them up for adoption and they were separated. She was adopted by a couple in the Milwaukee suburbs. She did not learn she had a twin brother, Todd, until she was in her late teens. After they met, surmising that they were the children of Alan Scott, they attempted to join the Justice Society. They were rejected along with other ones, but formed Infinity Inc. nonetheless. So this isn't Alan Scott's traditional marriage connection that we know him to have with uh, the original uh, Harlequin from you know pre-crisis um, universe, but she comes in more of an assist. You know, she kind of has like the John, the excuse me, the Donna Troy angle on things, where she'll come in and help the Titans or uh, ran Thanagar War. All right, d- just curious because you know, just didn't know if her being so tied to GL, you know, kicked the kicked that in. So, so it ends with the book has been rewritten. Going the use of lethal force and the apprehension of the Blues Brothers has been approved. Thank you. Yep, lethal force force has been enabled. They're like, what's this now? And that's just as we see the big cloud of rings coming in over Earth, and uh, so when's that issue? Now, do we want to... Well, before I ask if there's anything else we want to cover on that, the next issue that I have in my binding, which would suggest the next time, the next issue that came out, would be Tales of the Sinister Core Parallax, which is basically what's going on in Kyle's head. All right, last call. Any questions or anything you want to add about this last issue that we just read? Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. All right, so up next we have uh, our first uh, one-shot special, the Tales of the Sinister Core Parallax. This is what was going on inside Kyle's head. You know, the whole time that Sinestro, or Sinestro, Parallax is controlling Kyle. He's deep inside. He's focused on this painting, which we've heard Parallax mention. Kyle's talking about this painting all the time. Um, it's the one he mentioned at the beginning of the special that his... Uh, he and his mother would look at it and make up stories about this boy. Turns out his mother drew it. And uh, so, you know, he, he suggests he gets his own artistic ability from her. And at the end, the boy walks away. The boy is him. And uh, nothing more happens than that except it gives an idea of what's going on in Kyle's head as his body is committing all these acts of murder. The next issue is um, Green Lantern, and that would be Chapter 6. Uh, excuse me, Green Lantern Core number 16, Chapter 6. I mean, what's what's going on here is a couple of Sinestro Corps members die. Lethal Fourth is, has been enabled, which um, lets the Green Lanterns successfully take, re, I'm going to say, reclaim Mogo. And um, they're able to detonate ranks and totally blow that uh, blow it up completely. So the very end, Hal realizes that, uh, it, that Earth's the target, and you know, of which Gantt will explain why in the very last issue, number 25. But... This is basically an, an APB, and all in an all points convergence to you know be on the lookout. You all need to get here you know as quickly as possible. We're in defensive mode. You know originally they thought the target would be Oa, and then Mogo. And and, I, and I'll cop to this. I, I really like the sadist in me really wanted Mogo to get it because I was just I, I wanted them to get like beat so bad to see like how they could get out of it. You know obviously I wanted you know the Green Lantern Corps to win. I mean, it'd be a, kind of a, a bad series without them, you know. But uh, I, I just really thought that they were going to, like, do something crazy, which they did in 25 especially, I think. But, like, I thought that they were just going to drop a bomb on, you know, because Guy almost gets it in a couple pages here. But I thought that they were going to let, like, one of the tried and true Green Lantern Corps members take it, and I think Mogo would be an easy one to do. But, you know, it's revealed that, you know, through 
these next couple uh, pages here that he's the one that directs the rings. And, and he's more he's kind of like Salak uh, in that, you know, he has control over their guidance because, you know, he's more or less the, the family therapy couch for the Green Lantern Corps members whenever they need some time or they need to go talk to a shrink. They go they go to him. Yeah, and I think that would have been an easy cop out too. Again, we talk about John's. It seems like he doesn't take the easy way out sometimes. Again, I think it would have been easy to get that big press release, big bang for the buck, and having one of the core you know members kind of eat it in this issue or in one of these issues around here, and not having done that and you know keeping it to the ancillary and showing how the you know the core characters are having to make tough choices and and you know how they go about fighting this war. I think was a much the the better you know for, from a story storytelling perspective a better way to go. Next after that we would have had Tales of Sinister Corps Cyborg Superman again more of a what's going on in this guy's head kind of story. Is this background on uh, on the Cyborg Superman how he's created where he came from which was actually very informative for me because I really did not know that much about him. I mean the only thing I had read previously about him was his involvement in Death of Superman. And he was already a cyborg at that point, so I didn't know where he came from. Um, I don't know how much of that was just fleshed out here or how much has already been in existence. It, all this was fleshed out prior. Okay. So um, His origin was actually, you know, that, this was like the Fantastic Four of the, of the DCU. Yeah, um, yeah. That, you know, kind of gone bad. And so they fleshed all that out. And then during the whole Death of Superman thing eventually they you know once he was found out to be who he was they kind of did the typical one or two pager where they flash back and show sure. you know his origin real quick and all that yeah so. i remember that too um and in the last we have a splash page of uh, cyborg superman with his uh, construct fist raised high and superman in a in a sinestro core collar below the uh or hovering above the destroyed head of statue of liberty with the phrase i will have my death again he just wants to die because he's had this hopeless, thankless existence he cannot escape from. One of the uh, the pages in there, Ken, if you start flipping around, you're going to see a page of Sinestro in almost like a crucifix position descending on Earth. Yeah. Full page splash. And I, I know we've talked about, you know, the art collection, which, I mean, if I have, you know, a lot of anything, it's probably Green Lantern, Sinestro core pages and whatnot. I was able to snag that one. And I, and I want to talk the, uh, about the absolute affordability of buying original comic pages because I got that entire full page splash for I uh, let me look at my let me pull up my spreadsheet here. I got that page for $75 for an entire 11 by 17 penciled and then inked page. Cool. So, this is not the freaking free for all spending spree, but it's like if the price is right and it's a cool page, I you know, I would definitely encourage anybody to to get it. Find something that you like because, you know, I didn't want to really, you know, take the plunge until Originally, I wanted to do just like a Green Lantern collection, but my love of the DC universe, you know, isn't just limited to Green Lantern. So I kind of expanded on expanded on it, and well, not being married helped too. <laughs> <'Cause, you laughs> know, I can't say that because we're recording this episode, and I want to tell everybody listening. You know, I want to tell you guys and, and John. The next time you guys talk to me, I will be a, uh, I will be a, a new man, tethered permanently. I got to, you know, lap up uh, the pages now while I can. But uh, I want to say thanks for letting me record with this episode, too. I uh, recorded uh, an episode with the guys at Comic Geek Speak. If you go to their webpage at comicgeekspeak.com, you can look on their episode archives 
when you know we finished uh, recording the Sinestro Corps Wars uh, episode. I believe that was episode number three fifty one. So you guys can go and check out Brian and Peter and everybody else's response to it. So twenty four. This is almost kind of like we finally get the the DC promo ads that had been running, where you see the Statue of Liberty destroyed and all the mm-hmm. heroes kind of laying out. So this is kind of like the payoff of that promo ad yes. that we saw way back way back when. Right. Yeah. Sinestro Corps uh, or the the Cyber Superman special is kind of happens in the middle of all of this. Oh, we get we get a nice splash page of Parallax in full on yellow uniform this time. He was wearing a Green Lantern variant, but now he's full out in yellow. Yeah. I guess he, like, geeked out. You know, it's interesting, Russ, that you mentioned that about the promotion because, um, you know, being honest here, uh, DC did not do a lot to promote the story. The one shot was, excuse me, the special number one issue was promoted within the Green Lantern books and not not really extensively on the website until, you know, the week of. It wasn't really, you know, hammered in the solicits either. And as far as the in-house ads go, it was really limited to Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps. And not to rain on the parade here, but thankfully, by the magic of the internet, you know, word of mouth, I believe, is more responsible, you know, to this book than what what I look as the company. You don't need to advertise the Sinestro Corps in a Green Lantern book. We know it's coming. You know what I'm saying? But I also understand the the need to remind people to buy things. I'm not, you know, oblivious to that. I'm going to be trying to sell a comic book in a year from now. You know, you, you and people are lazy. You got to remind them about these things. But, I, I, you know, the the fact that this outperformed and overperformed um, any other DC book by a landslide, I think, speaks volumes to the fact that people will flock to a good, good story. Right, and that's exactly what it is. It speaks volumes to the to the quality of the story, and it didn't need to be pushed by editorial because they were remember what they were pushing hard at this point was amazon's <laughs> attack and countdown both of which sucked well and, it didn't I, I know what you mean but it didn't need to be pushed i mean i i think it did i think it did i, I mean i'm thinking no i'm saying it, it you know if they had pushed it you know maybe maybe it would have been bigger maybe not but uh i'm just saying that editorial or whoever makes decision and wants to get advertised doesn't always make the best choices of how to run a story which is why i i actually fear for blackest night because now they're putting all their effort into that, and I'm, uh, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I don't want Blackest Night to turn into Amazon's attack. What a disappointment that would be. <laughs> Wouldn't it, though? So 24 starts, and like I, like I was mentioning about the cover, we get that whole image. Then we see that the entire Sinestro Corps has, in, including the, the war planet, has descended on Earth, and it's just all-out chaos where all of the heroes in, are involved, the entire Corps is involved, mass destruction... Um, chaos everywhere, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> and then we get the we get the interesting sequence here where Sinestro actually comes through and speaks to Hal through his ring and kind of goads him into the fact that Parallax is at his family's house um, in Coast City and he takes off like a rocket. And to me, this was awesome because. You know, you see Superman going fast, for, you know, from time to, you know, all the time. We see the Flash, obviously, traveling at that speed. But to see Hal just totally, you know, go all out, you know, sonic boom across the desert, you know, just really hauling it was, was pretty cool for me. I mean, it just shows, again, his anger, his determination, and everything to not let this happen again. You know, Coast City was destroyed once before, and he's not going to see it again. So he goes after Parallax, and of course, Guy and, and John are going to try and go after him. 
Yeah, you think Barry runs fast in Rebirth, man. How how books it in this one too? Yep. Yeah. So then, of course, Guy and John get intercepted by the Sinestro Corps. More fighting ensues. More chaos. And then we kind of flash back a bit to um, what we saw in the Parallax special with the painting that Guy was able to to get and shows the Parallax entity. And boom, out comes uh, out comes Kyle from from the Parallax entity. Yeah, with a little help from Hal, literally bursting him out. But yeah, yellow goo everywhere. And then, of course, the coolest scene for me, I think, in this book is the next couple pages where the the, the two guardians who've been kind of ostracized at, at this point um, take on the four lanterns of the four Earth Earthmen and realize how important they are and how capable they are. They decide to not trap Parallax in any one entity. They decide to split Parallax into four entities and trap them a piece of him inside each lantern, thereby not allowing him any one avenue to escape. And then we get all four of the Green Lanterns recharging as we cut back and forth to the Anti-Monitor and Sinestro himself. And then we get a, we get a nice one-page splash of them finishing the oath and now it's on. And there's that Michigan logo one, Guy's Lantern. Yeah, I never paid attention to that until you mentioned it, you know, in our last discussion with the rebirth that this is what happened. So yeah, I, you know, we found out from John's that nothing is by accident. And I, I agree after that was pointed out that I think that's going to come back and have some sort of payback. If I mean, in else, theory, Russ, uh, go with me on this for a second. Like, in theory, you know, if Parallax was in the central battery and it caused an infection. I understand that he split up, but like logistically couldn't the same happen again, even though he's split up into four, I guess, individual power batteries. But that, but that wouldn't serve the story. So yeah, well, not only that, but then, you know, you have guys connection to the yellow ring. You have, you know, again, the logo on the battery. So I fully expect that to come back at some point soon. Yeah, as you said before, there's lots of ways that can come back and bite them. Yeah, and Johns has a way of do, doing something like that 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 makes sense and works. And you know what? When he wrote that scene, he he already knew how it was going to end. So I'm not I'm not too terribly concerned about it. Yeah, exactly. So pretty. I mean, overall, this is a pretty straightforward issue as far as you know what happened. You know, great way to get Kyle back again, setting up with the two guardians being ostracized, them setting them up for you know what's to come at the end of of twenty five. 17, Green Lantern Corps, Lethal Force Approved. And we open with that, talking about the, uh, the Guardians. The remaining Guardians are discussing the, uh, the attack on Earth and what it means. And they must decide now to uh, replace or uh, reposition the Ion Entity sooner than they had intended. Battle ranges, Kilowog and Arkillo go for round two. Thotomya and Orisa get a little closer yet again, get to know each other. Kilowog dropping a battle cruiser on uh, an aircraft carrier on, on Arkillo. That was awesome. Yep. <laughs> yep. Then the anti-monitor, he lands on the planet and proceeds to uh, make short work of anybody who comes near him. Where's the scene I want? Oh, here we go. They bring the uh, ion, the entity down to Earth. The Guardians show up and uh, push him right on into uh, Sodom Yat just as uh, Superboy Prime comes in and says, okay, let's do it. And that leads us into um, Tales of the Central Core Superman Prime. But before we hit that, let's... Uh, What's your thoughts on this issue? I like how they decided to move the ion entity out of Kyle and just bring him back into the fold as one of the you know the four Earth Green Lanterns and give it to to another character. I think Sodom Yat has 
I think that was a great choice. I mean, here he is. You know, he's a Daxamite who is, a, in all essence, more powerful than Superman than a Kryptonian already is, although with a much more fatal weakness. And add to that the ion power. It's like, okay, here we go. So he's, he's pretty freaking powerful. It's an easy way to get on the SATs. You can't use a lead pencil, I guess. Wow. Yeah, I mean, overall, this is, you know, again, more, you know, fighting, more, you know, more battle. Set it in the recap. Uh, yeah, I think it was a great, you know, it wasn't much of a sequence, but again, we get a little, you know, round two with uh, Kilowog and Arkillo. And again, they could have drugged this out another six, eight, you know, pages or whatnot, but decided to just do the Indiana Jones thing and pull out the gun and shoot the baddie and just be done with it for, at least for now. What a way to go. That's all I got. Uh, so next up is the book that no one knew was going to happen. It's the uh, Sinestro, Tales of the Sinestro Corps Superman Prime, which was solicited, if I remember right, as the Anti-Monitor. Correct. And uh, Murr, to this day, still hopes that book will show up. But uh, I think that was always meant to be a false solicitation because they didn't want to give up the secret of Superman Prime yet. Of course, they couldn't talk to, they could not uh, call him Superboy Prime anymore uh, because of the legalities going on at the time. That's has since been resolved. Uh, but this is basically uh, what's been going on with not only with Superman or Superboy Prime during the battles on Earth, but also gives us his backstory, reminds us of where he came from. He was the only powered person on his Earth where his comics were the heroes of, of our Earth, as evidenced by his uh, Green Lantern shirt he's wearing with his, with his would-be girlfriend. And eventually he flies away as, and uh, is transported to the battle with the Antimonitor during the original crisis, which is where we first met him originally, is uh, brought with Alexander and Earth-2 Superman and Lois to uh, what could have been, they thought it was paradise, and of course those that aftermath played out in the Infinite Crisis. Of course, you can't have a Superman fight without Crypto being in there, and of course Superboy Prime puts him down pretty quick as well. Oh, we're, rem- oh, we're reminding of the, uh, the, the wall-punching moment, which is always fun. Well, he smacked the heck out of Crypto in oh, Infinite Crisis, yeah, though. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't like, I mean, oh, man, I'm a pet guy, too. I, I really didn't yep. like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, finding out what happened, how he's pulled in the Speed Force, how he escaped, how he you know, killed Superboy, Cal, uh, Connor, that is, plays in the science cell, eventually escaped, was brought to Cord. The whole super family is now on him trying to destroy his armor and stop him before the sun comes up. So here we go. We've got Power Girl, Supergirl, Superman, Crypto. They've all had a, taken a shot at him. Uh, Miss Martian's there. The Teen Titans are there. But it doesn't matter because the sun rises and he rips off his uh, Snesser Corps uniform and takes the full rays of the sun. And he's with, with the Anti-Modern in the background watching. He's like, all right, let's go. And that is going to take us into... The Green Lantern Corps, number 18, which is the full-on Ion versus Superman Prime fight. This is such a great issue. <laughs> um, what a whiny brat. I, you know, and I also like how they changed the art style up so it looked a little more uh, you know, 80s, 80s-tastic um, <laughs> in, the, in the opening uh, pages when um, Superboy Prime's you know, a kid and stuff. Really cool. Yeah. And this one we kind of get to, we get the backstory of Sodom Yak. You know, we show him as a kid on Daxam. You know, we kinda we kinda go back into the world and how introverted I guess as a society the the Daxamites were and how, you know, Sodom had, you know, dreams and ambitions to to go beyond the go beyond the stars. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, they were just kind of a bunch of xenophobes, really. I mean, you know, they stuffed his best friend. Like, huh? <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> they put they put his best friend in a museum. Oh, uh, that's that's just not righteous at all. Yeah, I, I mean, but that you know, that's part for the course, and that that's part of what's holding back uh, Daxum. And, and which is allowing Mongol to take it over so easily right now uh, in, in the current storyline that's finishing up. Um, it's a pretty bloody issue, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the way the Superboy crime is slamming Sodom Yat's face against the, the ground and the concrete and stuff, a lot of blood and going on in this one that we haven't seen a little bit of, it. you know, some splatter or whatnot. But this is a lot more graphic than what we've seen to this point. And it kind of ends off with, Superboy Prime having handed Sodom Yat's butt to him and is like, okay, I'm done. Who's next? This is, I guess this is like the equivalent of like yeah, that entire issue of Thor when uh, he and Iron Man were facing off against each other. This is just, you know, uh, this is the bruiser issue. This is the WWE, you yeah. know, <laughs> just uh, giant epic glory shots of two dudes just pummeling each other. Which is cool. And also, something that I noticed now that I'm reading James Robinson's um, Superman run is that if you look at Sodom, he's dressed a little like Monel because Monel, of course, is a Daxamite. Right. Yeah. And I picked you- up, like, the buttons and stuff. And I, I don't think I would have picked that up, you know, uh, a year or two ago when, when this came out. But, um, you know, it's like it, it, the, the beauty about the universe thing is that it's constantly informing itself. And there's all these throwbacks and there's all these, I'm going to say, like, traditions that these different things that they've created, you know, follow. And you can see the same thing, Russ, for, you know, Romulan or Klingon or whatever in, in another universe, too. Brings us to uh, Green Lantern 25, the supersized finale. Yeah, the big one. Or as they say in East Texas, uh, a bigger. <laughs> Lots of great splash pages in this. Well, I said we'd, uh, we'd do this one page by page. So again, we get that self. Uh, we start the issue with the uh, how'd you put it? The uh, the self affirmation. Uh, my name is Hal <laughs> Jordan. I'm an officer of the Green Lantern Corps, Space Sector Twenty Eight Fourteen. Thank you, Hal. And you know he's Hi, Hal. <laughs> but as you turn the page, the universe is at war, and here you have a full-on battle of you know just about all the lanterns and all the Sinister Corps members you could possibly imagine in one page, and another page you've got. You see Superman, Superboy Prime, and a good Power Girl shot, and a few other ones in there. Uh, and then we finally get to the uh, Guardian share, tell us all. And uh, we get the story of what the whole thing means, of the story of the, uh, of the Rainbow Corps, if you will. And we get to learn about the, the green, the yellow, the violet, which we already knew about. Then we find out about the red, the indigo, the orange, and the blue, which will be the hope. Seven Corps will be born. Seven Corps will shine their light brightly. And I love that last panel there with all the where wisp you can see of color ring yeah yeah basically they're all flying around looking for hosts or mm-hmm. or whatever well, yeah, yeah on the um on the original page um to this one uh ethan just has a note that more or less says moose you know in reference to moose bauman the colorist right. awesome awesome colorist he just kind of just says do your own thing yep <laughs> you know and, and that, that's 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 trust right there i was you know, just gonna I'm ask not what, trying to get corny but yeah like, i was just that's, gonna ask that's, that's all computer generated go ahead ken i was just going to ask how much of that was was ethan just doing some general general strokes or zero if it was blank and it was just whatever he did and that that's good to know thank you for that zero that was that's um that panel is totally blank that's that's all color right there you know yep and, 
and then the panel before it, we almost get like sort of the the callback to that panel in I guess nineteen uh, issue number nineteen, where at the end when they when we get to to the the violet lanterns, you know, where we first kind of got wind that uh, there were more than just you know one or two cores out there, so they're all kind of on their pedestals. Not exactly the same shot, but just kind of right. call back to you know to them on their pe- you know each each lantern on a pedestal. Before we go too much further, I meant to point out in the first uh, double page splash of the, uh, the the universes at war, we have a mm-hmm. predator in the in, in a central core uniform and an alien. ET's in here somewhere too. I, I thought so. Was he in here? Was I think he... it's the second. I think it's the second one of the he, battle uh, or of the multiple cores. Was he like another core member? Maybe he was. Um, I think the ET was in the Green Lantern. He was green. Okay, we'll find him. It's, I, this I, is like Where's Waldo? Seriously, I, I mean that's how jam packed these pages oh, are. I know. And I can't imagine. I, I thought maybe he would, he could have could have been blue, but I didn't know. The, but that's just great. Uh, this this double page of the different core we're seeing. You know, the first signs of the red with their blood vomit, the indigo, not really sure what they're doing. This is, this is to date, still really the only big scene we've seen of indigo. They'll be introduced in, I think, Blackest Night number one, I believe, we're expecting. I think so. The star sapphires right. in a circle. Again, we've only ever seen female star sapphires, so I don't know if they'll ever will be a male, although I think there might have to be in some way. And then you go seven core, and of course, guy, always, always relevant, as long as I ain't a pink lantern. <laughs> that doesn't Nobody like a, wants to be Mr. Pink. It doesn't sound like a joke guy. I'm not laughing, kid. And it's like, you know, now we're trying to figure out what the Blackest Night is. We really don't know yet. Uh, That's a lot. You know, it's a lot in here, Ken. You know, it, it's got the first appearance of Atrocitus, of uh-huh. St. Walker. It's got the first appearance of Larflees. And I want to say that one of the Star Sapphires is Mary, the one that was recruited, probably the one on the far left, but... I mean, you know, I think this, the 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 Zamorans and the Sapphires are a little more ambiguous than than the others. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing you mentioned about the uh, about Larflees is Larflees himself there or just his construct? Because one thing that we just we know now about the Orange Lanterns is they're all constructs of Larflees, and if you notice how they're colored, they have the aura all around them, not just like outlining them. So it's like you can clearly tell now now you know for sure they're they're all constructs. So that's why I asked, is Larflees himself there? Like, is there a body that's just an outline, or is he projecting himself? Well, he doesn't have the lantern with him. Right. I'm thinking it's a But if you look at it, he's trying to grab a a green ring. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, like, for the indigo guys, you've got the the one, the white dude who looks like he's got a scrawl chin. Like a general quadrant. Oh, I see. I see him, yeah. That, That dude. And then you've got the pink octopus, and then you've got the duck. But... The the chick who's in charge of Indigo, the Indigo tribe, I'm pretty sure her name is Indigo from what I've read on interviews and stuff at CBR and Newsarama. So, but if also, I mean, like, they've got a lot of blue lanterns on here, which, and at this point, they've only have, what do they have? They have, like, three or four blue lanterns as far as the recruitment drive right now. Right. So it's not like they're ample at that point, and there's not a lot of them on here. So the battle continues to wage, and the the Lanterns now know what they need to do and go after them. Uh, as much as they want to try to evacuate Coast City, everybody turns on their lights who's there. And not only that, but they, they do everything they can to make their lights shine green. And you get a beautiful double-page spread of Kyle and Hal. It's like, you know, Hal, hell of a family, Kyle, hell of a town. And with Coast City just highlighted in green behind them. Um, and you know we'll find at the end, Coast City is going to be renamed the City Without Fear. 
Yeah, for that very reason. Battle rages. The battle continues to rage. And then the Anti-Monitor is attacked directly by the Guardians, finally. Uh, Amon Sor, when he realizes that the uh, that the, the Lanterns can kill, he just kind of chickens out and runs. It's like, that's it. What? The new law, Kyle. Because he just deserts them, right? He does. He just, he just takes off. He just gets, deserts them entirely. Amansur of Angara, Sinestro, Sinestro 2814, has abandoned his post. Oh, man. And uh, he's gone. But <laughs> that's, that's at this crazy. point, I'll... Hal realizes that Sinestro got what he wanted. This whole thing has been about yep. that, the changing the Book of Oa, changing how the Guardians do things. This is where you realize that no matter what happens from this point forward, Sinestro won. He, he, won, the, he won the whole thing because he, he got what he wanted. You know, maybe Anti-Monitor and Superboy and everybody else didn't get what they wanted, but Sinestro got what he wanted. The Guardians are doing things different the way he would want them to do it. And I didn't see this one coming at all. And I, again, I think it was a, a cool concept that, mm-hmm. you know, Sinestro's plan wasn't to defeat the Green Lanterns or to, to drive them off and to be the dominant core, per se. His, his goal was to basically prove that when push came to shove, they're no better off than the rest of us. And again, that was that that was right there back in the Central Core special that kicked the whole thing off. Moving ahead, you see the battle of the Guardians versus the Antimatter still raging, and uh, the Antimatter gets a shot on the one Lantern and uh, burns her face for never be known as Scar, uh, potential the Guardian of the Black Lanterns. It seems Coast City is uh, still under attack, and they grab the I guess that's the Central Central Core b- uh, battery that's uh, hovering. It they take and basically smash the whole thing right down onto uh, onto the Antimonitor? No, on, yeah, onto the Antimonitor and takes out Hank Henshaw with it. He's done, he's done taking orders, and he still does not forget the, the Antimonitor for what he did during Crisis on Infinite Earth, so he flies right through him, destroys him, and is, at that point, basically shunted into the bleed uh, along with taking out a Guardian with him, and will be seen again in Countdown at that point. Older. Well, swelled with the power that he absorbs from the Anti-Monitor, which eventually will dissipate until he becomes Superboy Prime again. Yeah. Or until the legal battle is resolved yeah. and they can do it. <laughs> yeah, translation, DC's trying to cover their bases and that gets... Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was probably the best issue of Countdown, though. Like, those, you know, the one leading up to and then... Which when, one? Um, Mixie explains it all, that one? When, yeah. he, when he's oh, torturing Mixie Pedelec? That was hilarious. That was good. <laughs> so that, was, that was worth keeping. Uh, we do get a we do get a shot of uh, Superman Prime all buffed up and not knowing what's going on near the end. Uh, after we see you know how Coast City is coming back, the sign "Welcome to Coast City, the city without fear" population and it's blank because they don't know what to write because there's a traffic jam of people trying to get back in town. Uh, we see Saeed and Ganthet out on their honeymoon as they you know turn white <laughs> and become the uh, you know the Blue Lanterns. Like, well, what will we do now? We will hope. Uh, the Manhunters find the floating dead head of Hank Henshaw. He's found peace, but the Grandmaster has been located. Life reading's negative. Leadership program required. Life reading's positive. They brought him to life. And in what is probably the saddest page, the saddest moment of this whole book, one tear is shed by the human eye of Hank Henshaw because he had his, his wish. He, had, he died, and now he's back. Uh, and he, you know, he's alive again. Meanwhile, the Anti-Monitor is flinging through space. It's him, the Anti-Monitor, Rise and Clang. The Black Lantern power battery has wrapped around him. 
And our teaser image, Green Lantern, The Blackest Night, Summer 2009. I thought it was great that they had Hal and Sinestro kind of go toe-to-toe with no power, you know, their, their rings depowered, and the two of them, you know, just kind of going at each other, you know, just... I think it's also cool, Russ, that, that they um, included Kyle. He's like, all right, then, I'll take both of you on. That... <laughs> It's just proof positive that, yes, there can be two Green Lanterns. In fact, there can be 3,000 how many Green Lanterns. You know what I mean? 7,202. Two Two per sector and Earth gets four. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but but the whole Kyle versus Hal thing is really lost on me. I think they're both really cool. And it's it's neat to see them both get their fair shot because, man, I'll tell you, if Jeff's done any, like, antagonizing – it's been with Sinestro and Kyle, you know, over the past rebirth, uh, Sinestro core war. And now with Natu being his daughter, the madness is going to continue. That's what you call equal playing field. He's not a substitute. He's not just the torchbearer. He, Kyle is Green Lantern and, and he does a heck of a job. I agree. And I love the way that that battle ends where Hal literally arrests Sinestro, you know, being the space cops, it kind of goes back to that. Yeah. You know, yeah, in, the, in the next issue after that, we find we'll find Hal uh, talking to Sinestro outside his science cell, and he's like, "Don't don't you realize <laughs> what you got what you wanted? But you also this isn't a life sentence; it's a death sentence. You know, he's gonna be, he's going to be put to death, or at least they're going to try. There's a lot in there. Uh, it, it, like I said, Sinestro, you know, he won; he got what he wanted, and and that's powerful to, to when you realize that. I, mean, I, I don't mean to want to bring this back to Watchmen, but I mean, people have opinion that you know Adrian's plan he 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 failed, uh, or he his plan did or didn't work. Whatever this this is it. I mean, Sinestro got what he wanted. He wanted to change the universe. He wanted the Guardians to be more aggressive, and the Guardians at this point are are so blinded to emotion that they really don't see what's happening to them. I mean, and, and as much as Everyone else, everyone around them tried to tell them, you know, specifically, you know, John and uh, and Guy and Hal. He's like, you know, reminding them what happened with Parallax. You know, you, you ignored him and look what happened. You can't ignore the rest of it. And, and all they want to do is contain it. And, and as as we move into Blackest Night, and you know, we'll get into all this when we get to our next our next episode to, uh, to lead into it. They just do things that are leading more and more into playing into the hands of the prophecy than, than trying to fight against it. Then we kind of get this. Nice kind of ending scene where some of the lanterns are honoring fallen dead. You have one of them celebrating the fact that he's still alive, made it through. You get Kilowog reuniting with his family for a nice meal. And then I thought this was the coolest, one of the coolest moments in the whole book was when Guy relights the the Statue of Liberty with the, him and Kyle, they relight the Statue of Liberty with the green ring. So right. it kind of burns. I just thought that was really nice. cool. The other thing I missed and went over was the Guardians over the Book of Oa. And uh, they mentioned we have initiated the first of the ten new laws of the Book of Oa. Yeah. And um, they, we, they're, they're, I think they're only up to like you know the third or fourth one at this point. So there's still a lot more to go. It's, it's still, I mean, 25 was December a couple years back. And, I mean, the, the most recent one was opening up the Vega system. So they could attack Larflees, but right. I mean that's I think that's I think you're right. It's like four or five. I mean it's still yeah. very very early on, but I mean that also speaks to the fact that the Guardians, you know, they're making it up as they go along. 
they're they're trying to play you know, offense and defense, mm-hmm. and they're reacting, and they're which which is ironic because they're reacting emotionally. Oh, when, exactly, and they don't they don't see them as doing <laughs> that, but they absolutely are. If you know, anything, this goes back to the old you know the saying you know the the only thing you know the one thing that anyone in power fears is losing that power, and that's exactly what the guardians are faced with. All they're doing is playing into to the fact that they're going to be losing their power. I mean, don't forget, we, we, when we see Sodom Yap uh, in the future, uh, in the era of the Legion, it's just him. There's nobody. There's no guardians. There's, no, there's nothing. And also, if you remember his oath that he speaks in that, is, seems to be uh, an amalgamation of some other oaths. Uh, so it's almost like, you know, you know, what's going to happen? And we might as well just jump in this real quick. At this point, that leads into the idea of, this has been mentioned in other places, you know, you have the Black Lanterns, you have this whole Rainbow core. Well, what happens when you combine all the colors of the spectrum? You get white. So I always or initially thought, well, the cores are going to have to come together and work together to fight black. What seems to be happening in Green Lantern now with Hal progressively getting to use each of the rings, one or some people, but someone or some people need to control all the rings at once so one person can wear all the rings and become a white lantern possibly is one way of looking at it that certainly seems to be the direction we're going with how getting all the rings when i asked earlier about how we haven't seen a male sapphire yet you know i'm waiting for Hal to get the sapphire ring yeah that i i could see it easily going either way immediately when you think of the color spectrum and there being the black that shows up that's the first thing that popped into my head is oh they're all going to have to at least one member of each is going to have to gather together and, you know, they're going to have to combine to, right. to defeat the black. But yeah, I think that's an interesting concept to have, you know, someone just put all seven rings on the you know, right. two hands and, and go after it. Did, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw the big, I guess it's the big exclusive San Diego comic-con thing is, there have it's blue lantern hal, yellow lantern hal, red lantern hal, and green lantern hal, and they're in extremely limited quantities. I mean, the green is available for like three thousand units, and then the other three are only fifteen hundred units, wow. and they're only available one day each. So you know when you know I guess Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you have to come back each day to even be able to to, to have the possibility to get one. So is that like a DC Direct thing or what? Yeah, I forget who's there's a there, there's a specific company or something that's using it as an exclusive at San Diego. I forget which one, but yeah, I saw that and I was like, man, you got to be kidding me! There's going to be people killing each other over these things. You get a hundred thousand people at Comic Con and you got fifteen hundred units. Good luck. But they're really nice sculpts. I mean, I've seen them. They 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 had a deal with them online. And when you put the boxes together, it forms like one image in the whole nine yards. Right. They're now, really sharp looking. Is it one? Is just the same base model with a different paint job, or is the uniform itself sculpted so that you can see like texture and you can see the uniform? The sculpt is different. Yeah, to me, they look. I didn't. Get, it, it, it was hard to get a really close look at them, but they looked unique. It didn't look like the same sculpt that they just repainted. It, they they did look. Each one was unique. Okay, I'm looking at them right now. And the body sculpts are the same. Are they? But the face, the faces are different. All right, so the head sculpt can be different. Like, yeah. like you know, like um, when you see a Sinestro Corps uniform, it's got like the uh, triangle patches sliding down, if you will. Like, I, I can see the the edges of that being raised up, which would indicate a different uh, uh, a different a different sculpt. But it could also the, like the armbands. Yeah. Can, can you right? Like the armbands are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no compassion and no love. 
<laughs> but this is the same sculpt that um, DC Direct did. It's just that these are, I guess, using a metallic paint. Okay. I'm looking at my Hal Jordan right now next to Sinestro, and um, it's just uh, a, like, like a flat green. But these, uh, these are metallic. Yeah, look for those on eBay for about $30, $40 a piece after uh, Comic-Con's over. Hey, the, you know, the Grundy and the Giganta and the Lobo, they were like 60 and 70 And if these yeah. are limited, man. You know, the thing about Mattel is they sold those on the Internet right after, the week after San Diego. These, I don't, I don't really think <laughs> that's going to happen with these. Anything else on, uh, on the wrap-up? No, I just I think this was an event done right. I think it was an event that caught everybody kind of by surprise. I, I think surprisingly, looking at the numbers, you'd think this would be this would have been a you know number one, top five selling title between the two of them over the thing, and, and it really wasn't. I mean, it, it was extremely well accepted from the fan base, from the critics, but I think it was it was like we said earlier, it was something that wasn't heavily promoted. Which, which may have played in its favor because, again, like you said, Ken, you know, how much it would edit, editorial have come in and screwed it up or possibly tried to expand it into, into a mega event. But it was just, you know, this is what at the time, at, at a time of kind of epic fails on DC's part with Countdown and Amazon's attack and, you know, just the whole debacle leading in the final crisis and stuff, you know, this was something that was well plotted out well-written, well-drawn, and just overall well-done. Before we go, I just want to quickly breeze through since we covered the rest of them. The last thing that came after was as much an epilogue as anything else. It's called Tales of the Green Lantern Corps, Ion, and it just kind of uh, wraps up a uh, little bit of Kyle's story and sets up Sodom Yat for their place in the in this, this new order. Sodom Yat is uh, trying to get a hold of his new Ion power. We find out because of his exposure to lead during his Superboy Prime uh, fight, he cannot take the ring off, despite the fact that he has Ion in him. Because if you remember, Kyle did not need a ring. Sodom yet still requires a ring. You know, but Kyle and uh, and Ion basically have a little adventure in space, meeting up with uh, one of Kyle's old uh, old bad guys. They find peace with themselves, and uh, eventually the four Earthmen go off on their way and uh, prepare to fight another day. Yeah, I think if anything was, I wouldn't even call it a misstep, because that's being a little harsh to it, but Pieces that were just kind of like meh were you know were the ta- were the tales specials. Um, I think it was great if you had no background with these characters, um, like we talked about. But if you're familiar with Superboy Prime, if you're familiar with the Cyborg Superman, if you're familiar with you know Kyle as a character in Parallax, I think they were more superfluous than anything else. Yeah, but um, for someone like myself who's not as well versed, they did a nice job to bring up the speed, give you some background. No, they really did not uh, add much to the story, but they added to the background, the atmosphere, and gave you a little more appreciation of where they were. So they had a, pl- a place. Uh, putting them as these individual specials instead of you know padding the story with them was probably the right move, and uh, and I found value and I enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, like I said, they weren't awful or they weren't bad, but I just I I personally was expecting more meat to them. But then again, I, I kind of have a built-in bias because I was familiar with all of these characters um, and histories prior to coming into to this story, especially with um, you know, Superboy Prime and you know mainly the Cyborg from having read all the the Return of Superman stuff. So, I, I, like I said, I guess I was just expecting a little more, a little more meat. But but they, like I said, they weren't bad by any stretch. 
if uh, if you didn't realize a little while ago we uh, we had a lost Johnny M. He had to step out. Right now I have on a chat. He doesn't have a headset. I have Jim Dietz, and he has a few things to add. Just a few quotes. Yellow rings make things go boom. Sinestro gets a cooler costume and some sinister friends. And Hank Henshaw equals evil Reed Richards, which we've already covered. So uh, that yeah. is going to be Jim's uh, Jim's addition to our discussion. So thanks, Jim. A chef's work is never done. All right, last last call for comments, guys. Anything you want to throw in there? I think I'm good. Adam? Oh, you know, just, just a really good story, and it was just, you know, it, it was such a good story to get other people into the book. It, it's just a, a, a great that it popped, you know, uh, and it, it's, it's nice when you hand someone, you know, I, I'm thinking of, you know, how many copies of Rebirth that I've handed out in trade to some students or, you know, to some friends and stuff, I usually make a habit of <laughs> I usually make a habit of buying at least one trade of rebirth, you know, every couple of months or so, just, you know, to pass it off to someone. And then you can include and here's where things go absolutely crazy. And I and I think this is it. You know, and I'm sure we'll get into predictions and stuff like that when we do the Blackest Night episode. But, oh, absolutely. Well or excuse me, when we do the um the, the part the before, yeah. before Blackest Night, sorry. But you know, there's there's still like you had said, there's still conjecture over these pages uh, for two years about what what all this is going to mean. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can think of, as far as the White Lantern idea is, I don't see how anger and fear and greed could be used to destroy death. In which and of is obvious. Oh, I'm sorry. Go finish your points. I'm sorry. No, I just I just don't. I'm not necessarily sure how that makes sense to defeat death. I, I think that, and, and this is you know, and I tr- and, and John's we trust, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, because I think if anyone, if anything, should do it, it should be willpower. Well, but it, I am it, so, I am I am totally open to to any ideas. I, I, well, you know. here's what I have to say about all that, and any one of those, uh, any one of those emotions, all of the emotions in, in particular, could not defeat death. But I think having a balance. You know, just a well-adjusted human being, a balance of emotions is what's re- is what's really required. It's not like you can tap into the fear power and say, "Okay, now you know, you know, go, go, fear power, go and blast, blast yellow here and blast red there." It, <laughs> Make a scary face. No, it's 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 going to be. I mean, think of the spectrum. There's a reason greens at the center with the other six uh, spread across evenly on either side. Right, but, willpower but the is the is- balance, and it's reason why why Hal is so far looking to be the one to carry all these rings, so he can control all this fear. You know, controlling your fear, uh, controlling your fear is is just as important as uh, as being able to control um, hope. Probably there, uh, but when you think about love and and hate are on the complete far opposite sides of each other. Maybe not. I don't think that's this way in the real spectrum, but they're 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 next to each other because they say you have this, this deep deep emotion. You can tip one way or the other, but having this full balance again with with will in the center, your willpower in the center is what's is what it comes to. Right, but willpower is not an emotion. Willpower is the center. Neither is death, but death is maybe right, right. the absence of all of all emotion. You know, will may not willpower may not be an emotion, but it's it's the center. Uh, is what's going to bring everything into balance. So, it, it maybe the vehicle to control the emotion, perhaps. And I don't know exactly how you, how you want to put it, but it's been established in these stories that it is the emotional spectrum we're, we're talking of, and willpower is a member as a part of that spectrum. Um, it's also it's so way also, to balance it, you know, to balance it out. Like you said, it's in the center, so it has the ability to kind of rein in 
I guess I look at it as a way to rein in the sides and be able to control them all. I see green as a package that's going to envelop all of them in to create the white or whatever it is to, to counteract the black. So you have green in the middle, and it you know the outlying emotions are obviously red, which is, is hate, and then violet, which is love. So you know from an emotional point of view, the way they've arranged this, at least in the book, is everything kind of kind of moves off from either side towards green. So I look at green as like the wrapper. Right. That's a good way of looking at it. I like that. All right. Well, I guess uh, that wraps up our second part of Green Lantern, our, our look at Sinestro Core War. Uh, Johnny M. who left, Jim who wrote in, Adam and Russ, thanks for joining us in, joining in with us on this episode. And thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget you can send your your own thoughts, your comments to comments at legionofdudes.com. Call us in under voicemail, 516-468-7912. Join us on the comic forums at thecomicforums.com. And don't forget episode 50, live recording August 2nd, 9 p.m. Eastern. Find us on our Facebook page, join the group, accept the invite, and leave your own uh, video message or voicemail to be played back on that show. We can't wait to hear you. Stick around to our website, legionofdudes.com, for more information on that because we're going to have some more more announcements regarding episode 50 in the next couple of weeks. We shall see you in two weeks just after Blackest Night number one ships with our third part, kind of looking ahead at Blackest Night. And we shall see you then. Thanks very much, guys. So long.